We keep hearing how the consumer is going to save us from going into a recession. But let's take a look at that today. And we're also told that raising these rates will tame this inflation. Will it really? These are the things that we're going to talk about today in the consumer and the Fed coming up. I'm Lynette Zhang, Chief Market Analyst here at ITM Trading, a full-service physical gold and silver dealer specializing in custom strategies to help you survive the reset of the, of the social, economic, and financial system that is already taking place. And frankly, it should be pretty apparent to everybody. And so let's talk about the consumer because we keep hearing how the consumer is going to save us, that the consumer has so much savings, but the consumer is also not real happy with the inflation that they're experiencing. And so you have to ask as the Fed moves forward with different things, are they a friend or are they a foe? I know what my opinion is, but let's see what yours is. Because these are the constant headlines anymore. The great American consumer is navigating inflation and just may save the economy from a recession. Because this is a consumer-driven economy. And frankly, the whole world has been moving in that direction for a really long time. So let's just take a look at all those savings that they're talking about. Because this is the personal savings rate. And my goodness, it's lower than it was before 2020 hit in the shortest recession in history. So the consumer, in order to maintain a standard of living, has been going through their savings. Of course, that's not all. Because not only have they been going through all of those savings that, by the way, taxpayers gave them. And was that more about keeping the consumer alive or more about keeping the corporations alive and enabling people to keep spending money? You know, you always have to look at both sides of that. But I'd like you to pay attention to credit cards and revolving loans because that is a lot higher than in pre-pandemic levels. And it's also a cup formation. Now, this is a short term because it's just from 2020 to 2022. But that also indicates that that debt level could go a whole lot higher just to try and maintain a standard of living when really you got to work for things and you're going to have to pay this off. And with interest rates going up, well, we'll see how long that's going to last. I mean, and I'm not talking about the market pushing interest rates up because that's going to last a whole lot longer and be a whole lot stronger. I'm talking about the Fed saying that they're going to keep raising rates. Yeah, maybe so. And out of all of this new debt, mortgages drive the increase in U.S. household debt to nearly $16 trillion. But the numbers that came in on uh, housing on housing sales in existing homes were down, I think they said, 17% year over year. 
Maybe the housing bubble has popped. We're going to find out as time moves forward. But it's a lot more expensive. And when interest rates go up, well, the house prices were justified to go up because the interest was so low so you could maintain the payment even though you're paying more for the house. Many people said that that didn't matter. Well, it matters now because there's a whole lot that's happened with that home equity. But U.S. households added $266 billion to their debt balances in the first quarter of 2022, led by mortgage loans, the, in the largest single quarter increase since what year is that? 2006. What happened in 2007? Everything started to unravel. And that very well could be what's happening right now. This is, according to the New York Fed, this is the total debt balance. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's higher than this, but this is the data. And I say that because when I looked at the mortgage in, inside of the Fred in 2000 and, and uh, was it the third quarter of 2021 or the fourth quarter of 2019? I can't remember. It was like one of those. They stopped reporting mortgage debt and it was almost at 16 trillion at that point. So, but they, they don't report it anymore. But here the New York Fed showed the uh, mortgage balances certainly higher than they were in 2008. That's the mortgage debt. That's the non-housing debt. So other credit cards and revolving credit. And, you know, it's a lot higher today than it was in 2008 during the financial crisis. So totally we're looking, it was, the total debt was at what, 12.4 trillion? Now it's at 16 trillion. Can the consumers handle this? Yes, they're getting paid a little bit more, but the cost of living is increasing far, far faster. And the real question is, what happens if the real estate prices go down because there was a lot of home equity lines of credit that were taken out against these inflated prices. Do you remember in 2008, 2009, 2007, that people spent as much as they could, they pulled as much as they could out of the equity of their homes. And then all of a sudden, when the market went down, they were underwater in what they loaned or what they had borrowed. So we can't forget the lessons that we got from the great financial crisis, because frankly, that's when the system really did die. And it's just been on money printing life support. And what do you think is going to happen even further when interest rates rise? Because frankly, we know that Fed Chair Powell is committed, at least at this moment. I don't think this is going to last long. Honest to God, I don't mean the crisis. I mean the tightening. I don't think it's going to last long because there are too many other things that are happening. Right now, they want to, the Federal Reserve wants to re control, maybe pop the real estate bubble and also the stock market bu bubble. But how much of that do you think they're really gonna do? Here they're talking about using leverage. So how can that leverage save us if at some point, they have to pay that leverage back and they've already used up their savings. 
Now, I looked in checkable balances, and that certainly is very high, but it's mostly composed of the 1% and the wealthy. So we're talking about the normal population, what, 90% of the population that is not in that circumstance and has been using that excess savings that they were given during the Cerveza issue in the beginning anyway. And they were gambling with it. They used it, thank goodness, to pay off a lot of debt. But that debt is just ratcheting back up again. Let's just look at that for one second. I'm going to go back here. Let's take a look at this cup. Because here they were given the money. There's the savings rate. Here's that. And they used a lot of that money to pay off that debt. And then, but that bottomed in like the first and second quarter of 2021. And now it's at a higher level than even before. So that this is really, really risky stuff. But he said, consumer credit is on the rise and there's been a pickup in mortgage equity withdrawal where homeowners take out a loan against the appreciated equity on their property. So the Federal Reserve created, I mean, look, they targeted stocks, bonds, and real estate for reflation. And now it's gotten a little out of control, so they want to take it back. I mean, it's garbage. Now, the remarks contrast with the view of some economists who see bloated stockpiles of savings, thanks especially to government transfers during the pandemic. Okay, well, that's the Fed's personal savings rate. Do they look bloated to you? So they can make these statements, and they don't even look at their own data to back them up. I mean, it's kind of crazy if you ask me. But what we're seeing in the data out of the U.S. housing market today, and hey, I don't know that that housing real estate bubble here in the U.S. is over. But you look at Canada, our neighbor, one of the world's frothiest housing markets turned into a seller's headache overnight. House hunters from Toronto to small Ontario suburbs are changing how they navigate the tight housing landscape. One of the world's bubbliest housing markets is tilting from sellers to buyers with dizzying speed. And that was kind of what they were indicating when I was listening to CNBC this morning on the U.S. real estate market. And I guess they're not shopping as much at Target anymore because it plummeted the most since 1987. And I was there on Black Monday. And I'm seeing a lot of shades of that. But inflation is sapping the margins uh, at Target. And they're not the only ones. And you can see that that actually started in the second quarter of 2021 because they've been trying to hold down to a degree prices to the consumer. Because look, when you're, you know, at Target, a lot of their consumers are toward the lower end of the scale. Not all, you know, some call it Target. But these are the people that are most hurt by inflation. If you have a lot of money and a gallon of gas goes from $3 to $5, well, it may be a little bit annoying, but it's not going to make you make a choice between putting gas in your car or food on the table. But if you, if you are already squeezed at the lower end of the socioeconomic uh, spectrum, 
then guess what? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And they're only so far down. You can go from name brands to store brands, which is really what's been happening. And Target can really make a little bit less profit. However, it's way bigger than Target. Because if you look at the corporate profits after tax, well, you can see that they absolutely soared uh, after all of that money was given out in 2020. And we saw that on the savings graph too, where the savings went right up to the moon. But then look at these corporate profits. If I, and I have shown you this graph before, we can go all the way back. Corporations are making so much money and they're charging more. And they've been able to pass that through to the consumer because of all of the money that the government and the Federal Reserve have pumped into the system. It's artificial and now it's breaking down. And I do think this is the last hurrah. And I, I have to say that right now, People are making choices and they're prioritizing discretionary or necessity purchases above discretionary pur purchases. Okay, I don't need that blouse, but I need that gallon of gas in my tank. I need that food on the table for dinner. So things are definitely, the consumer is changing, the priorities are changing. And if you see that the corporate profits in general are starting to slide, hmm, what do you think that's going to do to the stock prices? And we've seen these volatile markets up 600 points today. I don't know, or yesterday. I don't know where it is at the moment, but it was down like almost 600 points this morning. We'll see where it, where it closes. But when, if you own stocks, when you see a run like that, get out. That's what the professionals are doing. That's what they're doing. What are you doing? You're going to be left holding the bag? Because I don't think that's a very good idea or a really good uh, plan, actually. Because these cratering markets blowing a bigger hole in consumer psychology. But I want you to really kind of think about that. Because when are people paying attention? I mean, I look at this stuff constantly. So it's easy when, if you're like that and you're paying attention, it's easy for you to think that everybody is paying attention. But most people are not. Most people are just trying to survive. They're living their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. When are they going to pay attention? They're going to pay attention when they open up their retirement statement from their 401k or their IRA or whatever other savings plan if they're trying to keep their wealth in the market because they think it's always going to go up. Well, then they see that they've got some huge losses. I know this morning when I was listening, they were talking about, um, I think it's Snap down 89% below its IPO price from 2017. And there was a whole laundry list of those kind of tech and stay-at-home, et cetera, companies that were down like 80%, 90%, not from their all-time highs, but just from their last 52-week highs. You know, I... I don't think that Fed Chair Powell is going to be able to take a whole lot more of this. I think we're going to see a pivot. I think we're going to see him printing money like that'll make what he did in 2020 look like chump change.
and that's the end of it. So I think this is where we are in the trend cycle, that we are near that last cratering end. A quarter of household wealth is tied to equities. Yeah, and a lot of that is in those retirement plans. And we already knew that there was a retirement plan crisis, but this can justify a lot of changes. And as the interest rates go up, average wholesale household debt repayments will grow by $450 to $510 this year due to rising interest rates. Because a lot of that debt is revolving credit. And that means interest rates go up, so do those payments. And when you have trouble making, uh, pulling together $400 for an emergency, what do you think that this is going to do to it? Can't pull together $400? Well, okay, well, maybe it's easier if you do it over a 12-month period, but I'd say the consumer is in trouble. But don't worry, because, hey, we were told in October that the U.S. is not losing control <laughs> of inflation, and yet here we are, in April, we're in May now, almost the end of May, but in April you had inflation hit 8.3%. And do we know that that's not the true inflation number? Because we had food at like 40% and housing at like 35%. But I don't think caviar went up that much. And that of course is also in your food. But it's really a huge problem. Inflation-adjusted earnings, so we hear about the consumer and how they can be a savior because look at they're making so much more in their paycheck, but in reality, their adjusted earnings fell 2.6% over the past year due to all of that inflation. The consumer can't save us. Unless, of course, we're given UBI, Universal Basic Income. And as we talked about that recently, they probably won't, they can change different names. But in order for them to keep the consumer consuming, that's what they're ultimately going to have to do. So what's the call? The call is to raise the Fed's 2% inflation target, which is a joke. Because they came out and said, well, we were going to do an average when they couldn't hit it for a decade. They were going to do an average of 2%. And if you were listening to me after they came out with that, you know darn well that I said, okay, I hope you have your inflation seatbelts on. Because we are going to get walloped with inflation, which we are. I'm telling you, the group also discussed the importance of central banks taming prices. Now, you might make the assumption that they want to tame those prices to help the consumer continue to be able to consume. But the reality is, is that they want to tame those prices so that you and I don't lose confidence in their ability to control the inflation that they create because that's when they lose power. And that's the biggest thing. They, on the other side of this mess, they want to remain in power. I say, no, why in the world would you ever want to keep the people that get you into the mess in power after we've gone through what we've gone through? There's a question here 
Okay. Uh, KP Dad asks, what is the possibility of if, let, let me just, what is the possibility the market doesn't crash, but gold goes up? Well, I mean, anything is possible, KP Dad. Uh, and I would expect, since the market is so easily manipulated, and, and definitely we see the work of the plunge protection team. Market's down 300, I mean, 600 points and about two seconds later, it's only down 300 points. Why? Because those were such good bargains when they're already severely overvalued? No. So they can manipulate the markets to look however they want. That's not what they're doing at the moment. Well, they are doing it to a degree at the moment or these markets would be a whole lot lower. But the Fed giveth, the Fed taketh away. And I, I actually have that in another slide, I think probably for next week. Maybe it's in this one, I don't know. But I used to say that to my daughters all the time. The mother giveth, the mother taketh away. <laughs> right, Megs? Megs is here today doing this. And, um, and it's true. The Fed gave all of that liquidity, all of those low interest rates, and now they're trying to take them away. And let me tell you, if you're trying to take something away from your child, do you, they just go, oh, okay, here you go, no problem. No, they fight you, right? Which is probably why you wanted to take it away to begin with. So is it possible for them to hold these markets at these levels and gold go up? Yeah, that's possible. But understand too, when you're talking about the spot gold contracts, that's also controlled. And even at 1860 or wherever it happens to be at this moment, why isn't it down at 300? It's not down at 300 because there are too many buyers and it really overwhelms their ability to suppress the price that low. But I'm not waiting for Wall Street to tell me what gold should be because I already know the answer to that. It's going to its true fundamental value, but it will do it when the powers that be need to regain your confidence. They will do it when they have to do that overnight revaluation because there are just too many strings. $20,000 for a pack of chewing gum. That's when that will happen. Okay, so, and if, by the way, if I answer a question and that's not really, I didn't really answer it, let Megan know, and when Edgar comes back, let him know so I can try again. Okay, but, uh, you know, this is definitely a global issue. Eurozone's long stagnating wages start to rise as cost of living soars, and this is the biggest fear for the central banks. After a decade of little to no pay growth, uh, yeah, we've had it longer than a decade in the U.S., workers are finally starting to see higher settlements. And the worker demanding higher wages threatens that wage price inflationary spiral. So all the costs of good go up like we're seeing, and then people are demanding more money. And we're in a tight labor market anyway. A lot of people have left the labor market. This is a big problem because if corporations want to hire these people and, and, you know, there's lots of for hire signs out there right across the entire, you know, 
I mean, all corporations and all businesses pretty much are looking to hire people and it's really challenging. So they have to pay more. Well, they have to pay the workers more. Well, then that cost has to translate into, you know, target into the, into the goods that they're selling. And then that puts even more pressure on. And so you have wage increase, price increase, wage increase, price increase. It's a nightmare for central banks that are trying to control in the inflation that they created, even though they don't admit it. So it undermines the central bank's price stability. Now, let us be clear on what they really mean about price stability. It doesn't mean that the prices stay the same. The prices go up slowly enough that the workers don't ask for money. So it's the highest level of inflation that does not inspire workers to ask for higher wages. Guess what? Price stability is out the window now, isn't it? Yep. And it changes the central bank's neutral interest rate, which frankly, both of these things are just in theory anyway. So what is a neutral interest rate? It's the level of interest that is neither accommodative, in other words, by dropping interest rates to zero and opening up the floodgates of new money. That was very, we've said it so many times, it's accommodative, come borrow money, spend money, let's create a whole bunch new money. Or restrictive, oh, I don't like that interest rate level. It makes my payments too high. Therefore, I'm not going to be able to borrow. So it completely blows apart and changes what that neutral interest rate is. It doesn't really exist anyway. But neither one of these things really exist. Price stability. You need to be able to ask for a fair wage and get paid for the value that you bring to the table. But the central banks and the corporations want to control that. And when the inflation runs too hot, it kind of undermines and changes both of these things. And that's why they're between a rock and a hard place. Whether it's the government or the central bank, it doesn't matter. They're they're damned if they do. They're damned if they don't. Because if they raise the interest rates more, well, look at what's happening with the stock market cratering and the real estate market mm, perhaps going on a negative trajectory, right? So popping those bubbles. But if they leave at the, as long as the interest rates aren't even near the inflation rates, they don't even have a chance to tamp them down. And then that's not going to work anyway. And we'll talk about that in a second. But but that's the theory. Because if you raise the rates, then fewer people borrow and spend. You lower rates, more people borrow and spend. Borrow, borrow, borrow. Can you see this theme? It's all about debt. And then you become a debt slave. Because you've got to repay that debt or you have to default on it. You know, or you have to roll it over. Those are the choices. But Fed Chair Powell says he will keep pushing. In other words, keep moving those interest rates up until inflation comes down. The problem is, is that this is not as much a demand uh, inflationary push as it is a supply inflationary push. So it really won't work. 
I don't care how many times they want to raise the rates, but they're not going to raise it above the inflation rate anyway. They're not going to do what a Paul Volcker did back in the early 80s. And I love this. He says he won't hesitate to raise rates past neutral. I call garbage. Fed Chair Powell, if you're out there and you'd like to sit down and have a discussion with me, I call garbage on all of this. You are not going to raise the rates above a neutral rate because that's just a fantasy anyway. And you are not going to be able to keep pushing the rates up to where they really should be because interest rates are supposed to indicate the value of the money. So maybe they are where they should be at this point until they spiral out of control and the Fed has lost complete control of interest rates. The economy is strong enough to withstand tightening. I don't know. What about all those people that used up all their savings? I think it's garbage. That's what I think. And so does Stiglitz, who says raising interest rates won't fix the inflation problem. And he's a Columbia. He's also written so much for the IMF, but he's a Columbia University professor. And he says the problem of surging global inflation will not be resolved with interest rates hikes alone. Raising interest rates is not going to solve the problem of inflation because it's not going to create more food. And a lot of these companies that really boomed over the last couple of years and ordered in more products, well, guess what? They've now got a a backlog, which Wall Street and CNBC, they were talking about it this morning. I thought it was really interesting. They said, well, this should be good for inflation because now they're going to have to sell these excess Peloton bikes or what have you at a better price, and that should tamp down the inflation. Can't make this stuff up. It's so funny. Because as the public becomes more aware and a lot more people are becoming a lot more aware and they're trying to protect themselves. But if you're listening to your stockbroker, well, what are you doing? You're buying a trust, a GLD, which is not gold. It's a trust and it's based upon the manipulated spot price. But there are a lot of people that are moving into GLD because they think that's going to protect them. It won't. It's paper. And it's a trust. It's not even gold underneath it. So secondarily, and I think this is like really, really interesting, U.S. sales on track for the strongest year since 99. Well, 1986 was the first year of issues, so you can see the demand for the coins then. 1998 was long-term capital management, the very first derivative implosion. And we had the Asian currency crisis. We had Russia's currency implode. So 99 was Y2K scare. Some of you may remember that. So it kind of makes sense that you would have a surge in demand. But, you know, after that, they make things look like everything is okay. This is not a problem. And you can see the decline in demand. This is, did I do? Yeah, there's 2009 when they started the QE. And everybody said, oh, this is going to be hyperinflation. Well, it was hyperinflation because they hyperinflated the money supply. 
They did that on steroids in 2020 as well. They hyperinflated the money supply. The fact that they say that it didn't cause general inflation, number one, is garbage because it did. Prices for pretty much everything are a lot higher today than they were in 2008 and 2009. But where that inflation was really felt was in the bloated stock markets, the bloated bond markets, and the bloated real estate markets. But things don't all just go up to the sky. There always has to be a level of correction. And that's where we are right now. Now, there are a lot of people that feel comfortable and just fine in bullion coins. And everybody's always got to do what they're comfortable doing. But I think in addition to just doing what you're comfortable in doing, that it would make some sense to do a little bit of research. Personally, that's not the kind of gold that I buy. And that is because it's not always been true, but it's been true for a while. And that's because of where we are in this trend cycle. And my personal belief, and I'm going to be right or I'm going to be wrong, but it doesn't matter. My personal belief that there will be an overt confiscation simply because First of all, there's historic precedents, but second of all, there has been covert confiscation of your wealth, of your work, and of gold forever. Because a rising gold price is an indication of a failing currency. So I personally find it hard to believe that they will have gone through all of this and then at the end go, ah, we'll let you keep your gold. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm more comfortable in the collectibles because then it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. And anytime I can make that choice, that's where I'm going anyway. And by the way, when you stop and think about it, most gold that individuals hold is held inside of retirement plans and their IRA, and that's easy to access. Because what we definitely know is if you don't hold it, you don't own it, and your perception does not mean anything in a court of law. I like it near me. I like it as private as I can get it. And I like real money. That's the solution to this current problem. You've got to hold your purchasing power. You've got to hold your wealth because there are going to be a gazillion opportunities that are going to present through this next crisis that we're already living in. And, you know, it depends on your goals. That's the whole point of the strategy that we do here. You are probably going to have or maybe going to have a different goal or set of goals than I have personally. I'm quite clear on what my goals are. And so I move to execute them in the best way that I can for myself, for my family. And I tell you what I do. And by the way, I've just been lucky enough to get to be up at my bug out location. And we're gonna have a lot more things filming from there because we have the hot houses arriving soon. They're doing some fire mitigation right now, which is a really good thing. But I had a phenomenal interview today 
on it'll be on the Beyond Gold and Silver YouTube channel with the Provident Preppers. And these people were so funny and just a wealth of knowledge. When we talk about planning, they have it broken down. You do not want to you do not want to miss that. Megan, do you know when you're going to when we're going to um, send that out? Just stay tuned to our socials. Um, Edgar's feeling a little under the weather. He'll be fine, but we'll get you that information and you absolutely want to to um, watch that video. It was outstanding. But if you like this, please give us a thumbs up. Make sure that you leave a comment because it helps spread the word. So it's really important. And the same thing on the podcast because we're on all of the major platforms. You can listen anytime on any of those major podcast platforms. So give us a thumbs up, make sure you leave a comment and make sure that you share. We are at a very critical point. I told you at the beginning of the year, 2022 is a very pivotal and critical year and we're coming up to 2023. This is the time to get ready. This is the time to not procrastinate. If you're still holding wealth in the markets, then when you have a big update, take advantage of it. Or, you know, for me, I've been out of the markets for a long time and I'm an ex-stockbroker. I have a high level of comfort with this stuff and I don't own any. That should tell you something. You, of course, have to do what you're comfortable with, but... Yes, they are going to print money up the wazoo. We are going to see the stock market soar again, I'm sure. I could be wrong. Time will tell and just pay attention. Don't go jumping in the stock market because I say it's going to soar because what that is is a flight away from the dollar. But since in this country you can only convert those stock holdings into dollars, trillion times zero equals zero. You're better off creating a plan. That's what the strategy is all about. Creating that plan for you and your family to make sure that not only can you survive the chaos that we've already begun to enter, but even end up better on the other side of it. You know, success is the best revenge. And we can do it if we stick together as a community And if we make sure that we are prepared, everybody's starting to talk now. All the heads of the BIS and the World Bank and the WEF and all these guys are talking about the food crisis that's coming up. That writing has been on the wall. If you haven't done anything about it, make sure you do. That's what Beyond Gold and Silver is all about is the rest of the mantra. Food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. Get it done. And until next we meet, please be safe out there. Bye-bye.